0: Hello and welcome to The Distance Diaries. This is a long-distance relationship podcast where we chat about topics that come up in our everyday conversations from politics to popular culture. My name is Fraser and I'm from London.
1: And my name's Natalia and I'm from Mexico City.
0: So what have you been up to lately? It's been a couple of weeks since we recorded.
1: When is it not? <laughs> yeah, I am... Um... <laughs> I went to Desierto de los Leones, which is a forest. I, I know I don't know why it's called, a desert, given it's a forest, but it's a forest uh, sort of on the outskirts of Mexico City, uh, which is really nice. Went with my friends to take some photos. It was fun. Um, I also, weirdly, I snuck into an apparel Spritz party <laughs> a couple of days ago. No, like a week ago I did that with my friend. It was just happening, and we're like, oh, is this a private event? And the guy said, yes, but you can come in. So we just went in and got a free free Amazing. drink. Amazing. And saw a few influencers and it was funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> saw a few influencers, had some apple. Sounds yeah, good. Yeah, and
1: then left. It was fun. And that same night I went to Leonor, which is a club in, in Mexico. And yeah, that's pretty much all I've been up to. I've been sorting out flights and all of those things to go do my master's in london so all that is sorted which is great very exciting yeah yeah what have you been up to?
0: that's a busy busy thing yeah on a weird weird also that the april spritz thing made me think of something that happened on friday which is i was walking through shoreditch for five minutes to get from one place to another and we walked past this nando's It was called like Nando's Yard, and so it was a a Nando's-themed place, and and we didn't know what it was. We could kind of see into it, and people were sort of beckoning for us to see if we wanted to go in. We didn't go in, but I then had loads of Instagram adverts for it the next day, and it's basically a Nando's-themed kind of street food bar and place where you can sit. It's very very strange, but it made Somehow, me think of that. Aperol I
1: like thing. Nando's, but Nando's Yard doesn't sound very appealing. It doesn't
0: sound appealing. It's not like you know, April Yard. Yeah, or exactly. Like gin and tonic yard. yard. It doesn't. Sound yeah, very appealing. a yard a yard where you get chicken is maybe less appealing. But anyway, yeah. they're having a go at that to you know, get probably. I mean, there's probably lots of influencers influencers being invited, much to like things the like Aperol that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that just that just came to my mind uh what else have i been up to oh i've been enjoying football so football has been back for as in the season has has kicked off last week and also football this week is as back well in just football in general is a thing <laughs> um so that's cool oh and also fantasy football which if you're into that is a big deal for well 9 months of the year and this year i've noticed there's loads of articles on actual proper newspapers and online you know media that I read delving into the anatomy of fantasy football and how it works and explaining mm. what it is I've never seen that before normally it's something that's just discussed on Twitter and, and blogs yeah
1: Fraser and is constantly looking out for fantasy football leagues so if you have one <laughs>
0: I don't know. I don't know if it's too late. I, I, I'm not sure how. It works. I'm not sure if you can join once the season's going. But anyway, mm. yeah, that's 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 all good. And yeah, went to Fulham yesterday, which was was great. And
1: they won, which is great. They won.
0: Yeah, that doesn't happen all the time, but that's that's good. <laughs> no,
1: it doesn't, especially in the last year. No. Yeah. No.
0: And what have you been enjoying?
1: I think I've got one that is the same to you, which is a new song by Spectre. Called Half Life, uh, but I think I have first dips on that because I introduced you to Spectre, so I can oh, talk about you've, it. You've,
0: you've seen my notes and gone, you know what? I'm just going. I'm just going to say that point.
1: <laughs> no, I think that point was mine first.
0: <laughs> I I think I wrote it down first.
1: Oh, I'm sorry about that.
0: You did introduce me to that band, so you
1: know, anyway, we've both you been the enjoying credit. the new song by Spectre called Half Life. is pretty good. It's very spectre. Uh it's good. Fred what's the name of the guy? Fred McPherson. What's the name yeah, of the guy? Yeah, Fred, Fred McPherson. McPherson. I didn't want to say his name wrong. Uh he's got a great voice. So it's mm. good. It's like very deep. powerful. Yeah, very, very powerful. Uh so it's 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 a good song. Enjoying that. Speaking of music, I read an article on Rolling Stone called Billy Eilish and the Triumph of the Weird by Josh Eels it's it's a long read it's a very long article so read if you're interested in Billie Eilish I guess but it's interesting to read very deeply into what her life is like as a 17 year old artist that has sort of blown up and he's going on tour so he he meets up with her at her house and then sort of follow follows her around for a bit of the tour right and they talk about what's going on, and the main chunk of the interview happens at her house, and then, I guess, a couple of weeks later on tour, he she talks about what a hard time she was having when they were interviewing at her house and why that was, and the anxiety of going on tour, and having to leave all your friends in your hometown when you're so young yeah. for eight, for so long is kind of and the toll it takes on her mental health and her family, and it is, it's, uh, it's an interesting read to understand a bit more what Billie Eilish is actually like outside of her dark persona that she has on her songs, because I don't think she's really like that. So it, that it's an interesting read. If you're looking to, to spend some time over coffee in the morning reading something, I would recommend that. <laughs> I've been watching Euphoria on HBO, I'm on episode three and it's eight. So I'm not even halfway through, but sometimes I find it hard to watch. I can't binge watch it. It's one of those shows that you can't really binge watch because there's a lot of very heavy topics and I don't know. I'm sensitive to some topics, I guess, but really well written, really well acted. Um, I'm actually really enjoying it. What happens to me is I watch an episode and then the entire next day, I keep thinking about the characters no, I hope they're right, which is really, which is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how well written they are, and the girls are amazing in it, and yeah, really enjoying that. would Would definitely recommend watching that show. Yeah, this Maybe don't watch it with your parents. But good,
0: good advice. Yeah. For those who, uh, you know, who watch TV with their parents. That's, yeah, that's don't good.
1: watch that one with your parents. Or give it, give it a taste. Yourself first. And how old would decide. you
0: have to be to watch it with your parents?
1: How old would you have to be?
0: Yeah, because you know, if you're 18, maybe it's awkward. Whereas if you know you're 30, then maybe you can watch it with your
1: parents. I think it's all. I think the 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 scenes in this it would always be awkward. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I thought you were asking how old you have to be to watch it in general. No. <laughs> and I I can't answer that. I don't know. Depends on you. But yeah, I, I read a book. I read The Cactus by Sarah Haywood, which is a sort of drama slash romance. It's part of Reese's, Reese Witherspoon's book club, which I sometimes do delve into and buy a few books from them because they're enjoyable reads. And it's very like uh, a book that did the rounds a couple of years ago called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Is of on the same vein of so psychologically damaged people, <laughs> but the cactus is less deep in in the psychological damage. I think Eleanor Oliphant is very much about how affected she is by something that happened in her life, and the cactus mm. is more in the present what's affecting the character. So I enjoyed that. It was it was a light read. I enjoyed it. Finally, I watched First Man. I've been dying to watch that film for ages and I just hadn't got to the cinema or anything and it's now on HBO Go, so I watched it. Uh, First Man is a film about Neil Armstrong and the Apollo 11 mission cool. directed by Damien Gissell, who most people know for directing La La Land and Whiplash. And he, Ryan Gosling plays... Neil Armstrong it's funny actually I think the reason why Damien Chazelle met Ryan Gosling was because of this film because he thought who do I want to play Neil Armstrong yeah Ryan Gosling and they met and then Ryan Gosling said oh I kind of want to do a musical as well and Damien Chazelle went oh I'm writing a musical you should be in that so That's yeah amazing. first man actually came first interesting yeah, I it's, it's kind of a sad look at Neil Armstrong's life during the entire run-up to and mission of the man landing on the moon. So it's not, it's, it's not, if you're expecting to watch a film that is very American and yeah, Neil Armstrong, American hero, right. it's really not like that. He's quite apathetic in the film. He's very sort of depressed through it. So it's kind of... It's a bit of a depressing look at what his life was like. But I thought that was very interesting and a very interesting take. Because you could do so many things with Neil Armstrong that are very Americanized and happy. Everyone claps when he gets home, blah, blah, blah. And they really don't do that. They really go a bit... They go a step further, which I appreciated. And the soundtrack, as with all of Damien Chazelle's films, the score and the soundtrack are... Beautiful, so yeah, oh, enjoy nice. that.
0: Nice. How awesome? about you? That's awesome. So yeah, the Spectre song, Half Life, definitely recommend that. Uh, also, it's a couple of weeks back now, I suppose, but recommending Summer Girl, the new Heim track. So it's a great
1: song. Yeah. It's a good
0: song. It's a good song for the moment. You know, it's August, and it's got a kind of light, upbeat. Jazz melody mm. to it, but still, it still sounds like a Heim a song. I think Heim through through.
1: is never actually going to release something that we don't enjoy, to be fair.
0: I mean, they haven't so far, so I'm optimistic yeah. going to the third the third album.
1: Yeah.
0: And mm-hmm. they look like they're gearing up to do another album, so that's, yeah. that's pretty very, cool. Very,
1: very cool girls, Heim.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's six years since my favorite track by them came out, which is The Wire. That's
1: so basic. That's everyone's favourite track. (laughs) I I,
0: I, I don't don't think it is, but it's definitely (laughs) my favourite track. And it was just, to me, that song, it's one of those songs where it just takes me back completely to the moment when I first heard it. So it was when in well in my case yeah just turned 18 Hmm. it was the first summer after finishing school and I just remember exactly where I was when I heard the song I remember the places I was going when I listened to that song for the first times and just the exact way I felt during that summer and it just really that song just took me back in such a a major way listening to, to The Wire.
1: It is a timeless song The Wire.
0: I think so yeah I think it's a good one and it's good for for it's weirdly it's hard to sing but it's simultaneously really fun to sing along to. Slightly different song to recommend as well. There's a lot of songs this week. Anyway, uh is Neon by Licky Lee. Um definitely an artist that has been around for a long time. So there's a track I Follow Rivers which I feel like it's just a European anthem like whenever I get to France I hear that song. I don't know why. Um, even though Whenever she's a Swedish, France because he goes to France. Well, no, a so bit of it. No, just over the years. Like that song came <laughs> out a really long time ago, and just over the last like ten years, it feels like. But weirdly, she's a Swedish singer. But anyway, the song "Neon" that's a good that's a good indie pop song. I think that's the definition of indie pop that that kind of uh, song. So yeah, mm. it's a good one. Uh, also, what else? I've been watching the cricket, the Ashes cricket, which is for for those outside of. So cricket, no one knows about it if you're not from the UK, Australia, New Zealand or like one of the countries that plays the game. But basically every two years, England play Australia, who are traditionally the two best nations for, for cricket in a series of Matches. Or the two five. only nations for cricket, huh? Way no, there's actually <laughs> that's 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 a good one. Um, but yeah, they they play a, they play five matches, which each last up to five days. So it's quite an epic kind of encounter. Um, and that started, and weirdly at my work, there's just there's this sort of cafe that's shared between a lot of different companies. And just for the whole summer, they've wheeled out this massive TV. <laughs> um, and so you get loads of people who just sit for the whole day with their laptops, but just watching the, the cricket. Because it's on all day, except for, you know, like a, sh- a short lunch break and stuff like that. So it's quite good fun um, having a- seeing a bit of the cricket whilst at work. Um, I've also started watching um, a Spanish TV show, which is on now on Netflix, which is called Money Heist which is, I think, is it La Casa de Papel?
1: Yeah. Sorry if you can hear my dog in the background. He's moving around. But, yeah, Yeah, it's La Casa de Papel.
0: He's a bit bit bored, maybe. (laughs) We're ignoring him. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so it's a weird one because originally it was popular in Spain, but it was shown on just Spanish free-to-air TV. And now that it's, and this is back in sort of two years ago or something, and now we're on Series Three, and it's been watched by 34 million people within the first week of it coming out. And basically, it's one of those things where Netflix buys a show and it goes global. It's being watched by people all around the world. I'm watching it in Spanish, but with subtitles. And yeah, it's pretty you crazy how that subtitles. happens. You need
1: subtitles. I'm disappointed.
0: Disappointing, I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I can't... It's weird because I can't decide if it's actually any good or not. So
1: People love it here. People, I've, I've been hearing about i have for ages right I haven't seen yeah. it but people love it
0: yeah you know it's a crime drama thriller hmm. series and it's good i don't know if it's great but i'm kind of enjoying watching it so
1: cool right so the topic this week is who really is boris johnson
0: so because who he's PM really is now, Boris Johnson, and yeah. everyone's
1: wondering who is this guy?
0: Yeah, so there's actually is he a lot. Trump? Of, is he
1: not Trump? <laughs> We're going to answer all of these pressing questions.
0: What one? What that's? I think that's actually one question. <laughs> so we can definitely answer that one um, during the next.
1: Well, he's 15 not Trump.
0: Minutes or so. He's not. No, oh, just... that's it.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's a podcast. <laughs>
0: that's the podcast done.
1: Anyway, yeah, let's let's actually get start on this.
0: So you know the first thing that we were going to talk about was his background who is he as a person sort of to mm. some extent and just like or at least where does he come from so he was born in new york 1964 so you know he's kind of a typical age for a politician really he's not not too old not too young still got kind of time uh in and the he, tank he's
1: american which is interesting
0: He well yeah american born i don't know if he still has his american passport
1: I don't, um, can you be PM with with double nationality? Yeah,
0: there's no. I don't think there's anything specified in UK law about that. Whereas I think in the US, there's quite strict laws about. Yeah, you where uh, you where you're dual from.
1: Um,
0: but I think at one point it was. It, I think I heard this ages ago, about six years ago, that technically Boris Johnson could become could become prime minister and then become president president of the u.s which will obviously never happen but
1: yeah um, he's not i don't think he's interested in that
0: no well to be honest that's something we might get into is what we'll he talk really, about that what he really is but uh yeah in terms of his background so interestingly for those of you again outside the uk you may not know his name is alexander that's his first name alexander boris Defefel Johnson, so he's got quite a colourful name, and in fact, his background is is really interesting. He has he obviously born in the U.S., but he's descended from you know going way back hundreds of years from European royalty. He even has a Turkish Muslim relative, so he has like all this kind of European and like even sort of mid, well, not Middle Eastern, but Eastern Southeastern Europe mm. um, origins, which is is crazy. Um, and yet he comes across somehow as the most kind of the epitome of a blustering British person in a way. Um, and so in terms of his career, he he started his career um, working as a junior journalist at The Times. Um, and when he was 23, so this is in 1987, he actually was fired for falsely well, basically making up a quote and attributing it to his own grandfather, who is a historian. Oh, my God. Um, but anyway, he went on to have a 15 year career in journalism and he was a pretty yeah. good, you know, he was a relatively successful journalist. Um, worked at The Telegraph as well, which is another kind of leading. Um, basically, I would say newspaper on the right. That's that's how you would describe it. Um, he spent five years when he was there working in Brussels, talking about what was the, uh, the European Commission and sort of how European politics was changing. Um, and this was during the period when the European Union was basically founded, which is in 1992, the European mm. Union came to exist. So he saw firsthand kind of what was changing in Europe and European politics. And he basically would send back these reports that would dr- sort of stoke up discontent in the UK about what was happening in Europe and it 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 was at a time that European Euroscepticism was emerging in the Conservative Party.
1: Has has he always been a Eurosceptic?
0: I mean in the sense that he's been you know from early in from his journalism career he was writing these Eurosceptic articles, yes. Yeah, so
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and he was described, and this was at the time when Margaret Thatcher was still the Prime Minister, yeah. and he was described as Margaret Thatcher's favourite journalist. So so he was, basically, he was highly influential, you know, amongst certain types of people. Um, and yeah, and what, interestingly, on the kind of Euroscepticism point, this might be a bit, well, this might not be that interesting unless you kind of care about European politics and stuff like that. But Euroscepticism had previously always been a left wing issue. Mm, There was a sense that there was a sense amongst the left that basically what was happening in Europe is they were making free markets, they were getting rid of work or lowering workers' rights and stuff like that. So people like Jeremy Corbyn and others
1: uh, at at this
0: time were very much kind of sceptic. The Eurosceptics were the left wing people. But that changed at around the time that Boris Johnson started sending these reports back in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. So it's quite and an there interesting there is a
1: whole, a whole theory that Jeremy Corbyn actually voted to leave.
0: Yes, because of the origin, the history. Of Euroscepticism. Of Euroscepticism. Um, and anyway, so he had a relatively successful career as a journalist, Telegraph Times, and then he went on to become editor of a right wing magazine called The Spectator, which is kind of a weekly, very, very historic. I think it's something like the longest running weekly politics magazine in the uk and weirdly the the magazine did quite well commercially when he was there but apparently people didn't like working for him because he used to just be out of the office the whole time having dinners and sometimes what he would write just wasn't very accurate and based on fact um but some his his fellow journalists but readers seemed to to kind of enjoy it and because it did well he's also over the years written various books uh, i couldn't actually work out exactly how many um from research because it's quite difficult to know but a few interesting ones he's written a book about the history of the roman empire uh, and how it achieved political and cultural unity in europe but i wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily describe you know enslaving native peoples of different countries as unity and harmony but you know he's a big fan of of the romans
1: i thought you were going to say he's a big fan of enslaving people no that's a big statement that's
0: a relief (laughs) that he's probably not he's also written a book about london he's written a book about a biography of winston churchill and he's written fiction and interestingly in one of his fiction books that he's written yeah. Uh, it contains stories of basically people who like have lots of partners and uh, a British politician who has a lot of partners. I I think I was reading about it a while ago, but anyway. Is
1: that fiction or biography? Exactly.
0: And this is where it kind of <laughs> becomes curious as to understanding a bit more about his personal life and whether this book was some kind of actually revealing a bit more about himself than. Yeah. He wanted to.
1: That is something that Boris Johnson has been sort of not, uh, well, yeah, sort of famous for, is uh, having multiple partners.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, intriguingly, the first thing I noticed on his Wikipedia page was, and it's, this is the only British politician I've seen this for, is children is listed as five or six. we don't
1: know if he knows how many children he
0: has we don't know yet we don't know if even he knows so he's been married twice and in fact he basically now has a girlfriend who is 25, 24 years his junior yeah she's very young who's very young, Carrie Simmons, and she's a, you know, she's a political activist in her own right for the Conservatives, and, well, she was for the Conservatives, now she's kind of works in conservation and environmental protection. But yeah, and there's some, you know, the rumours are she may be moving into number 10 Downing Street with him, although it's not, not set at the moment. So
1: like a married couple, do they live together? I think, I thought they lived together.
0: No they no? kind of okay. they he would spend time at her flat which is another story that happened a couple of months ago they mm. neighbors overheard them arguing so loudly that police were called yeah um, which was a bit of a gaff in his bid to become prime minister back in back in june
1: yeah but to be fair if you hear a loud argument you maybe should call the police, like that was yeah, so
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing was was found to have happened. But uh, yeah, no, yeah.
1: no, there was no like domestic abuse or anything. No. But do be careful and call the police if you feel like something bad could <laughs> yeah, be happening for next sure.
0: door. For sure, and in fact, just on the kind of partners um, and sort of ups and downs point, uh, after an affair with an art consultant whilst he was uh, married uh this was in 2009 a judge ruled in 2013 that the fact that he'd had an illegitimate child with her uh, was in the public interest so it came out in 2013 that you know he actually had like a uh, at the time I think that was his fourth or fifth I think that was his fifth child I don't know or
1: sixth know. A,
0: there is a rumor <laughs> of a sixth so okay
1: yeah. yeah he's had if I'm not mistaken he's doing one of his affairs while he was still married, it resulted in terminated pregnancies as well, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I th- I, I'm i not sure.
1: Or there's a rumour of that, which which explains some of his political positions that w- um, we'll talk about in a sec.
0: Yeah, so I think that's what we were going to move on to,
1: Yeah,
0: was a bit more about who he is as a politician. So we've kind of built up this strange, confused picture of him as a journalist who, you know, has some, some things going on on the side.
1: Also, uh, some- he had... He had quite a difficult childhood, Boris Johnson. He did. Um, So with with his parents and things like that, he had. You can you can find all this online if you're interested in his life. But he had quite a difficult childhood, that appears to mean that he has this desire to be loved constantly. So that translates into his politics a lot as well.
0: Yeah, and his desire for kind of admiration. Yeah, to be sort of in the public eye.
1: Be a hero and yeah. be, be liked, basically. Yeah. Yes. So his voting history is quite... is very confusing at some points because you don't really know what he he believes in yeah. a lot of times.
0: Yeah, I think also it's worth mentioning that his political career started, you know, quite some time ago. So he actually first became an MP all the way back in 2001. So, you know, he's been involved for nearly 20 years
1: yeah yeah so it's also opinions do change so i suppose that but yeah in in general he has always voted in favor of intervention internationally so wars he voted in favor of the iraq war into in 2003 was tony blair pm then
0: yeah that was tony blair who sort of brought that forward yeah
1: yeah so uh he voted in favor of that And he also voted in favor of the Syria airstrike attempt that David Cameron put forward in 2015. That didn't actually happen, but he did vote in favor of that, Boris Johnson. So he originally voted against the fox hunting ban. So for people who aren't from the UK, and Frase can explain a bit more if I'm wrong, but fox hunting is, is a sport in the UK. It's a lot of foxes. And it's a sport for... So people that live out in the fields.
0: Yeah, in the countryside. In the countryside. Sorry, yeah. I mean, it just basically involves lots of people going on horseback with dogs to chase foxes across country, across fields, through rivers, and to ultimately... And, like, the, the
1: Queen used to do that a lot. The,
0: que- the You know, the Queen... It's like, a, It's. it's not even an upper class or lower class thing it's just a country thing that was accepted for a very long time and was then banned in the early 2000s
1: yeah it was banned because of the foxes and he voted against that ban but recently he was spotted with his girlfriend because as Fraser said carrie simmons is an activist for the environment and for animal rights Mm. he was in at a fundraiser for animal charities and because his girlfriend is very outspoken about conservation it seems like he would vote in favor now of the yeah. ban yeah
0: and also just the whole public opinion has just changed so much yeah
1: exactly so he he kind of because when he was mayor of london he had a bit of a controversy when a fox attacked his dog i think or his oh, cat no. and he said i know that this is going to make people angry but i think we should allow fox hunting it would relieve a lot of troubles in the city or something because in london there's a lot of shoot foxes
0: Ah, uh, yeah i don't think that's a good idea to just have vigilante gangs like hunting yeah just foxes saying in that city. Was not a good idea.
1: <laughs> that but just sounds that like animal cruelty now that he has an animal rights activist girlfriend maybe he's yeah. changed his mind I, don't know. <laughs> I think he's
0: almost certainly changed his mind
1: yeah he also voted in favor of civil partnerships and to repeal the ban on the promotion of homosexuality in schools, even though originally as a journalist, he wasn't particularly LGBT friendly. It was when he became a politician that he decided that the state should not interfere in people's personal lives, meaning mm. he would vote in favor of civil partnerships, he would vote sort of, in favor of... The state not detaining people from living their lives. Yeah. Basically. Uh so he is actually, funnily enough, seen as someone who, in terms of his voting history, has helped quite a lot of LGBT rights move forward, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean you wouldn't say he's like the biggest advocate. pro or advocate or activist or whatever, but he's not someone who's tried to hold things back. I would
1: yeah, say. exactly. Um, he voted against measures to prevent climate change in 2016, including setting a carbon reduction target for the u k which is quite bad and I feel like this comes down to him being very his belief in the economy and capitalist economy and yeah sort of industrial revolution type thing makes it very hard for him. To be like, yeah, let's set targets for reducing our pro- our producers. Like, he doesn't believe in that. Yeah. So, now, again, because his government is Gary Simmons, we don't know if he's changed his mind on that. Yeah. He's not, he believes in climate change. He's not a climate change denier. But we, we're not sure if he's going to vote in favor of things for the environment. Yeah. But yeah. Or if he's going to introduce things like that. He did introduce the london cycle hire system which is actually known as boris bikes yeah anyway he introduced that we don't know if that was because he loves the environment or because he likes cycling i think he likes
0: cycling there's a lot of comical pictures of him wearing like bike helmets while cycling and he just looks like such an idiot
1: i've that's just his face though
0: yeah it is just his hair's all over the place and but yeah he does like cycling
1: there is there, there are accounts of the fact that Boris Johnson doesn't... His hair isn't actually like that. He makes a conscious effort of messing it up before photos of him being taken.
0: So when I, I've seen him speak in person and he does just randomly put his hand on his head, like in the middle of his head, and just move it from side to side for a couple of seconds, just now and again, you know, as if to make... In the same way that some people you know, will sweep their hair back with their hand to make it look cool, just to flick hair off their face. He will do that, but he will be effectively f- just ruffling his own hair to make it look like a mess. So yeah, it's a deliberate ploy.
1: Yeah, he also tends to vote for stronger immigration enforcement and for stricter asylum systems. So things like he voted against banning the detention of pregnant immigrants, for example. So he is quite tough on, on immigration. Mm. But we we know that due to his Brexit campaign. Do you want to talk a little bit about his Brexit campaign? just? To-
0: yeah, maybe. I think what's really interesting spelling all of this out is that almost everything he's done, he's either written at some point when he was a journalist that he was sort of for or against and then mm-hmm. had a different... And found opinion. it hard to kind, yeah. and found it hard to sort of express that in terms of how he votes and what he thinks now. Uh, and that's one problem with being a journalist for years before going to politics is that you always say stuff that is just not mm. favorable, I suppose, or appropriate if you're a politician and to express those opinions and stick to something consistent.
1: Yeah, I think it's also been a case of. Like I said, he has this incessant need to be liked. Yeah. And that means that he he changes opinion with what he thinks his main demographic would agree with. So that he's liked. But that's why he's a bit of a buffoon. Because he wants to be... He wants to make people laugh. He wants people to like him. Mm. And that's what... that I feel like that leads to a lot of his voting. And that leads to a lot of what, what he does and what he says. And the reason why I think that's a little bit worrying in terms of being the prime minister while well, Brexit is, is meant to happen is that he's not particularly famous for making a quick decision. He waits to to hear what people would think of him before making a decision or sticking to what he actually believes, believes in. And that's quite problematic because if you're gonna decide on a Brexit deal you need to be decisive and Boris Johnson is not a decisive person
0: no definitely not definitely not it's so hard to actually nail down what he does and doesn't support Um, yeah it's very difficult yeah and I guess thinking about the whole you know the fact that he supported the leave campaign in the 2016 election that's what people felt people felt that Could you really trust that he actually supported leaving the EU or was he just saying it? And I think it's hard because he obviously saw the reasons why we would remain and only just on balance came out in favour of leave. And yet, if you come out and decide to be a big part of the campaign on one side or the the other, you have to almost say that you're totally for that side, even though it's really, really even though he definitely wasn't totally uh, for that side, if you know what I mean. Like, it's hard to...
1: It's hard to know what he's totally for, though, because sometimes he's totally against something, and then he's like, oh, no, but I'm not actually... Like, it's it's very difficult to tell. He's never done anything that is... As mayor of London and during his political career, he's never done anything that is extreme... He's not, that's why mm. I said at the start, he's not Trump. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't have enough firm beliefs to be like Trump in that sense. He wouldn't do anything extreme because he doesn't, I don't think he believes in extreme in, in extreme.
0: No, he doesn't, no, he doesn't. I think he's doesn't. kind of
1: very volatile in what he believes, which is a bit worrying in itself, but, because you never know what he's going to do. You never know what he's going to do. It's sort of, it's for.
0: unpredictable, but it's almost like it won't be an extreme action. It's just not predictable. Yeah, exactly exactly what it will be. Um, and, and in fact, that kind of manifests itself. So going back to the, the early 2000s, it was revealed in 2004 that since 2000, Boris Johnson had been having an affair with a columnist at the magazine, The Spectator, that he was editor of. And it, yeah, it resulted in these two terminated pregnancies that you mentioned earlier. And
1: yeah. he
0: initially said that the claims were piffle, which is a word for saying that they're not true. If you're maybe a posh person, you might use that word. Piffle. Piffle.
1: It was a Um, great word.
0: And basically he denied it, but then the allegations were then proven and the the Conservative (laughs) leader at the time basically removed him or asked him to resign kind of his position that he had in the Conservative Party. Mm. And he didn't, and so he was then fired from those positions. And that then led to him kind of basically being dismissed as a potential contender in the Conservative Party as you know as someone who could lead the party or anything like that and he then took this really roundabout route in the last 15 years since then to to becoming PM which was he basically quit as an MP to become Mayor of London, rebuilt his reputation, then became an MP again, then mm-hmm. rose up again and, you know, the partly through David Cameron, but then a lot, that was sort of really accelerated by the referendum and his the role that he played in securing the Leave Narrow victory. Yeah. Um, and so he's been in such a kind of crazy journey that partly has come about through not... Being, being seen as unreliable, both politically and in a personal sense,
1: yeah. has led to, to this. So from, from what Fraser said, there's a few things are important to point out firstly that he did take part in two terminator pregnancies and mm-hmm. his voting history has been he's been ab- noticeably absent from voting on abortion legislation yeah. because abortion is legal in England Scotland and Wales um, but he hasn't voted on any sort of term of of the pregnancy anything to do with abortion rights he hasn't been there to vote and make of that what you will. Some people say that it's because he doesn't want to contradict his own actions by voting against abortion rights, but then other people think that it's just because he doesn't want it to be a conflict of interest. We don't really know, but it is interesting that something that happened in his personal yeah. life, he hasn't voted on politically. Active, he's actively avoided voting, voting on politically. And the other thing is that David Cameron and, and Boris Johnson do go way back they they met at Eton College, which is where they both went to school, and there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about whether they were enemies or friends or it doesn't matter. The point is that they've had yeah. this sort of mutual acquaintance yeah, and, and respect. they actually and,
0: did meet at Oxford as well. Yeah, um, so yeah, they knew each other from that as well, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, so David Cameron helped him come back into politics and re. re- So redo his whole image. Hmm. A a lot of it was the fact that David Cameron appointed him. And yeah, so that's that's interesting to to know that they do have a personal relationship, David Cameron and Boris Johnson.
0: So yeah, he's definitely someone who divides opinion in Britain. And to be honest, I think, you know, some of it's justified. I think you can criticise the guy from a sort of personal perspective. I think politically, he's actually not done so many things that are worthy of criticism. I may get pelters for saying that, but that's just my opinion. I think I have more problems with him personally than I do politically.
1: Yeah. I think it's because of what we said politically, he's he's been quite tame in both sides.
0: He's definitely he's made a lot of mistakes, I think. He's made public errors where he's called people the wrong name or he's said things that have led to fallings out, or when he looked, accidentally rugby tackled a 10-year-old Japanese school kid. Oh my kid. God,
1: that was so... Bad. And,
0: you know, like, stuff like that, which is just, you, it's just mistakes, um, yeah, which Yeah, it's good. just his
1: so personality that, I feel it's almost, it's almost built. It was not, it's completely built, this personality yeah. of him being a buffoon.
0: Yeah.
1: And... It's, it's not been the best for him a lot of the time. Yeah, so
0: Google, the, the highlight of that is to Google Boris Johnson knocks over Japanese school child or whatever. Oh my God. And it's very funny. It was an it. accident, but it's, it's,
1: you, like, he could have avoided that.
0: Yeah, he, he could have avoided it. Very avoidable. Um,
1: Something so yeah. also very, very, very important. Boris Johnson has been pining to be prime minister Forever.
0: Yeah.
1: He's, he, this is a campaign that he's been holding, not for the last six months, for the last 16 years. Yeah, for he's sure. He's been holding a campaign. For sure. So that is, this is what he's been looking forward to his whole life. So it's, it, it'll be interesting to see if he changes, interesting or scary, to see if he changes the way that he's handled politics. Or if he is the same sort of bumbling, don't know what I'm doing, I don't want to make anyone not like me guy
0: but giving a big speech about it kind of yeah guy. and i think he does really he really needs to step up especially with the current situation yeah so it will certainly be interesting to see what happens
1: yeah and whatever your opinion is on him is yours to make with just sort yourself overview of who he is uh, yeah but yeah great
0: So that's it for this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. And yeah, we'll hopefully be back with you in a week or two. In fact, this time next week, I'll be in Mexico. So so
1: we might be recording together.
0: Potentially, yes. If anyone wants
1: any type of special or anything, let us know. We could do a long distance relationships part two. Anything that you kind of... Because I think that's our most listened to episode. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, if anyone wants wants to do anything, let us know. Any ideas are welcome, and any opinions on Boris Johnson, anything we did not fact check correctly, please do email us or message us. I am at Natalia Alvin underscore on Instagram and, and at underscore Natalia Alvin on Twitter.
0: And I am at Fraser D Bell. On and our email everything.
1: is the Distance iris Podcast at Gmail dot com.
0: Great. Thanks so much for listening. And we will speak to you soon.
1: Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. This podcast is hosted by Mexi Clothing, a brand that brings you modern Mexican fashion into the UK and Europe. For more, you can visit www.mexi.clothing. Thank you for listening.